you're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Prairie Justice presents the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Well, howdy, folks, and welcome back once again to Perry Justice, the Greg Saunders Vigilante Podcast. This is your old buddy, Ranger Gord, and today we are presenting part five of our Leading Comics number five megasode. So it's Leading Five, part five of seven. And today, the Shiny Knight uh, is threatened to become a knight without armor. So that should tell you who's uh, going to be leading our, uh, our episode today. And once again, just to keep everybody on track, this is from Leading Comics number 5, dated winter 1942, which went on sale December 9th, 1942, and was on the stands until about uh, March 1943. So serving as that winter time issue spanning the, the years. Passage. Our story once again, our main story, is the uh, miracles that... Mu- that money couldn't buy featuring our villain the skull not a red skull not a green skull but an orange skull a man with uh, more money than he needs and a fool whose money is often parted because he's uh, very avarice that's probably the reason for the orange and uh, wants to have things that he can't have Today, he's going after, well, we'll hear about that. He's going after the shiny knight for something the the knight himself owns. The Skull's foot soldier of choice is a man by the name of Matt Greeter, a gangster and master thief and a particularly egregious human being. According to the story, we are told that Matt has tangled with the shining knight before, although this has never been reflected in any story uh, before this incident. So, like all of the characters, uh, villains, and who claim that they have met our soldiers, all of the their encounters have apparently been untold tales that uh, have been off-screen for the most. Now, speaking of tales, I'll once again express my frustration that we do not know the name of the scripter on this because there is no record of it. Although we do know that the artist for this is Ed Dobrotka, who is penning all of the chapters for this story, breaking the formula of having the individual artists do each chapter. And as I've said before and belabored, that uh, that leads to some interesting formula breaks. So we'll continue into our drama, and we'll see you again here on the other side of, the, of it for my comments and notes on the story as Matt Greeter seeks to make Sir Justin a knight without armor. The Shining Knight 
Crafty and cunning as a cornered rat, Matt Greeter tries to shun the shining knight and finds himself squarely athwart the chivalrous companion's stern path. Chance puts the shining knight bereft of glistening sword and gleaming lance within the menacing murderer's greedy power, and only his own nimble wits and valiant heart can carve a path to freedom and put an end to the, the sinister, star-studded career of the monster who tries to cheat justice and seeks to slay a knight without armor. But I've tangled with the night before, and once is enough. I'll steal some ordinary armor from this museum, and claim it's the knights. Let's go won't know the difference. And just to make sure nobody knows why I'm stealing the armor, I'll steal a lot of other valuable stuff with it. Supplied with money by the skull, the cutting criminal hires a group of gangsters and hatches a plot. Stick with me, boys, and you'll make enough dough to put you all on easy street. Pay us right, boss, and we'll tackle anybody you say. The next day, two large moving vans draw up before the city museum with armed guards. But the uniforms of the guards are actually disguises of Matt Greeter and his gang. Well, this is going to be an easy job. You just act like you've got a right to take everything, boys. You sure figured out a slick one this time, boss. The hoodlum leader boldly approaches the director of the museum. Here's an order from the president of the museum, telling us to move a lot of valuable stuff to a storehouse. It's a precaution in case of an air raid. Strange. The president didn't say anything to me about it. However, this is his signature, so I must trust his judgment, so it must be all right. Go right ahead, officer. Bill the Penman forged that signature right. Now all we gotta do is take the stuff. A few moments later, the thieves begin to remove the museum's choicest treasures. The stuff is worth a hundred grand, a million even. And that old guy hands it right over to us. While the thug leader plunders the collection, Take that suit of armor along, too. Okay, boss. You give the oidus. But, meanwhile, Justin, who hides his identity as the Shining Knight behind the guise of assistant to the curator, Professor Moresby, approaches the museum. Great Scott, Professor. They're removing all of the museum's most valuable possessions. I don't understand it myself, Justin. It's all right, sir. They've got permission. They're just moving those valuables to a safe place. They were safe right here. Let us not question the wisdom of our superiors on the board of directors, Justin. At that moment... This old Chinese Ming vase finishes the job. 
Now we better scram. Vault security guard. It's Mott Greta, the escape murderer. He's the one behind this all. Excuse me, Professor Moresby. The Shining Knight has some work to do. Swift seconds later, in the stall beneath the museum were winged victory. The magic steed of Sir Justin is hidden. Oh, victory! We ride forth once more to foil a base varlet's foul plan. Hasty, my brave steed. Ere the treacherous villains hide them on to safety. Soaring high above the museum, the chivalrous knight sights the speeding scoundrels. Ah, ah, here they are. No doubt they deem themselves safe from pursuit. Boss, we gotta hand it to you for figuring out an easy way to get rich. The sleek winged victory swoops down like an eagle striking at its prey. I tried to stay away from the shining knight, but he followed me anyway. Where did he come from? Turn back, ignoble violets, and return your ill-gotten gains. Run him down. His armor can turn bullets, but the weight of his truck will crush both him and his horse. I'm stepping on the gas, boss. But the knight's savage sword, possessed of magic powers by virtue of ancient Merlin's wizardry, shears through metal as if it were cheese. Vile evildoers, when I command thee to stop, I jest not. Thus will I handle the other moving monster also, so that neither one will escape. Boys, we're stuck. We can't move without a motor or wheels. The panic-stricken hoodlums scatter like fleeing rats. These vermin flee so fast, I shall be hard put to seize them all. Hey, that lance, it's choking me. If thou had thy deserts, thou rogue, thou wouldst be choked by a hempen rope. Looks like we're all getting together again in jail. Lie there, villains, while I seek thy murderous master. But the fearful felon is nowhere to be found. The miscreant has escaped. Now I must turn the other evildoers over to those who will deal with them lawfully. Later, after the police have removed the captured thugs. The knight never saw me get into the river. This mud almost choked me, and every time I lifted my head to breathe, I was afraid that knight would see me. Uh, but he's gone now, and I'll have to find a hideout. That night, at a huge power station. Say, my brother is superintendent of this station. He's changed his name, so nobody knows we're related. But I'll make him take care of me. Oh, you're a thief and a murderer. The police are after you. At this minute, I'll have nothing to do with you. Okay, but if I'm caught, I'll say you hit me. I'll send you to jail, too. I'll let me hide here for a couple of days. 
and I'll pull clear out and I'll never bother you again. They'll all eat you, dirty rat, but just for a couple of days. Now we've got some repairs to do. I'll have to hold up things until then. Hidden inside the huge station, the desperate criminal woos sleep in vain. The roar of pushing water sends strange thoughts tumbling through his head. I'd have made a successful getaway if not for the shiny knight. How could he have gotten wise? Say, wait a minute. That young man with Professor Moresby, he saw me and ducked. Maybe he's the one that warned the Shining Knight. Say, that gives me an idea. Maybe he's the Shining Knight himself. I'm going to hire some more crooks to help me, and then find him, and see. I'll pay him back for stopping my scheme. I'll get what the Skull wants after all. Next day, as night is falling. You succeeded in recovering everything, Justin. If not for you, the museum would have suffered a terrible loss. It's just part of the debt I owe you, Professor Moresby. Suddenly... There they are, boys. They're the ones I hired you to get. Take it easy, boss. We always do our job right. Oh! I'll leave this old guy. The young fellow was the one I want. With the speed of a well-oiled machine, the hired kidnappers carry out their evil orders, and Justin is placed in a waiting automobile. What do you want to snatch this guy for, boss? He don't look like he's got any dough. I think he's got something else I want, and I'm going to get it. Later. Where am I? What happened? I mustn't let him know that I recognize him. Now you're the Shining Knight. All you got to do is confess, and I'll let you go. I hope he's not fool enough to believe me. I can't lie and deny I'm the Shining Knight, but I don't want to let him know he's guessed right either. All I can do is keep quiet. You won't get no place by not talking. But Justin obstinately refuses to answer the criminal's question. You better talk or else. All I'll say is that you'd better let me go or the police will do the talking for me. Enraged by his captive's silence, the homicidal hoodlum devises a deadly scheme of revenge. Maybe a little duck in your head will help you make up your mind. My mind's already made up. I have nothing to say to you. The touch of a finger on a switch sets the giant wheel in motion. So long, wise guy. I'll be back in half an hour to see if you want to tell me anything. In half an hour, I may be dead. Every time that wheel ducks me, I drown just a little more. I have to get out of here. I wish I had a knife. Meanwhile, Professor Moresby regains consciousness to discover that Justin is gone. You're weak, Professor. You ought to rest. I'm all right. But Justin must need help. The man of learning resolves to become a man of action. Oh, winged victory! You will find me a poor substitute for your master. 
but I fear greatly that he is in danger. The gods said the kidnappers went in this direction. Perhaps I may succeed in trailing them. Onward, victory! As Professor Moresby soars unsteadily through the skies, death draws near Justin. This wheel seems loose. They must have been repairing it. If I can throw my weight to one side, it will unbalance it completely. Ah, I succeeded in putting a strain on the wheel. It's vibrating out of balance. The violent vibrations shake the loose wheel from its axle, and it plunges toward the watery depth below. Now, if only the wheel lands right side up. It's fall broken by the water. The wheel rolls along the river bottom and comes to rest on one of the banks. Thankfully, the vibration in the fall loosened these ropes. Now I can slip my hand free. While down from the heavens swoops a loyal friend and a faithful steed. Professor Moresby, how did you get here? Victory's keen eyes sighted his master from thousands of feet up. Justin, I think you will need your sword and armor. Moments later, you will use your weapons better than I could, Justin. I have a score to settle with certain vile wretches. Hold there, Victory. We must be off. While in the power station, a violent quarrel is brewing. I said I would let you hide here for a short time. Not use this place to commit your crimes. I'll take orders from nobody but the skull. Teach him a lesson, boys. Ooh. I'm going out to see if that guy will talk yet. If he won't, I'll let you fellows work on him. If he's really the shiny knight, I'll trade him his life for his armor. Suddenly. Hola, knave. I hear thou wert seeking me. If this is the real knight, then the young fellow outside can't be him. The flat of my sword will teach thee to keep a level head. Ow! My lance will make thy head spin like a wheel. I'm going in circles. All these heavy slugs will let a little daylight into him. Foolish Charles! Know you not that bullets cannot pierce Merlin's enchanted armor? My sword will reave and let daylights into these cowards' weapons. Keep it away from me. I give up. The terrified leader of the gangster crew seeks safety in flight once more. If he catches me and has me sent back to the joint, it means electrocution. Yield thee, wretched miscreant. This time canst thou not escape. In his blind fight, the murderous mobster blunders against a throbbing, pulsating wire, and then... The current has passed through his body. Later, after the police have been summoned, 
You rounded up the whole gang, Knight. We owe you a lot. I act but to serve justice, sir officer. Remember that the murderer's brother is innocent. As for Greta, he has met the death to which he was condemned. Electrocution. As Sir Justin and Winged Victory savor their own victory and prepare for final glory with the Legionnaires, return next week for another adventure with Green Arrow and Speedy. Hi folks, we're back with my notes and comments on the Shining Night Tale, Night Without Armor. We begin with Matt Greeter touring Professor Moresby's museum. Professor Moresby is the uh, uh, historian or museum curator as such who uh, not only found Sir Justin frozen in the ice after 1500 years, but also acts as his sort of a friend and a mentor, kind of a Commissioner Gordon style of uh, character for uh, Justin to bounce off of in his in his stories. Uh, Greeter is has been charged by the Skull with stealing Sir Justin's armor. Uh, Greeter knows uh, Sir Justin very well, and he knows his, I guess, reputation, and he really doesn't want to tangle with the man at all. So he's uh, touring through Marsby's collection, and I don't believe that Justin's armor would probably be out on display, as he actually lives in a uh, somewhat of an alcove uh, below the museum that also happens to have a stable for Winged Victory, who is has also come to the modern day along with Sir Justin. Now, Reason Skull wants this. Uh, just so that you do realize, if you go back to the Shining Knight's Origins in Adventure Comics, number 66, in September of 1941, Sir Justin and Victory were thrown into an ice trap, think Captain America, after doing a solid for the wizard Merlin, and Merlin, in return, gave him a suit of uh, chain mail of armor made of gold that um, whose in magical enchantments also allowed that armor to be impermeable and also to be very lightweight so that uh, Sir Justin could be you know fairly uh, adept and uh, maneuverable while in the army he also used his uh, enchanted sword so that it could cut through heavy iron as we will hear later on in the story and uh, and and sprouted wings for victory now possibly because of these enchantments uh, Sir Justin went into the ice and survived up until 1940 when freed by Professor Moresby and as I said before he now works as a uh, custodian for Moresby's Museum. Presumably in New York, although I've also heard that uh, Philadelphia could be the location. I don't think it's ever really said too much in the comics where uh, Sir Justin actually lives. So as I've said, uh, Greeter has no intention 
of uh, tangling with Justin. So he intends to make a mass robbery of the museum. And he's planned this out pretty good. Uh, he's going to rob an entire collection of medieval weapons and armor and such. And uh, I guess the, he just hopes that the gold armor will come along with it and, and uh, his men will be able to find that within the museum. As I've probably stated before, I live in Alberta. Near where I live is the city of Calgary. We have the Glenbow Museum. And so I've had a chance to see a large collection of uh, British, European, and Japanese armor in their collections, uh, some of which belong to Sir Garnet Wolseley. So uh, you can Google that, uh, that name. He's one of those British colonial generals uh, all over the world, China, India, Egypt, and also Canada, and was also an observer in the American Civil War on behalf of Britain on the Confederate side. So just in case you think that uh, Britain was always on the side of the angels, not always. But anyway, discounting that, Greeter is a planner, and he gets together a mob, and uh, I have to say that uh, Dubrotka's mobsters are very generic. Every one of them looks alike. Uh, in all of these uh, chapters, we seem to be getting uh, shopping from the uh, mob clone store. In this one, they're even all wearing the same gray suits and hats. And I guess it really doesn't matter. They're, uh, they're vir virtually, I don't know, set pieces. Uh, he rents a truck and he, puts, he gets a rent-a-cop security guard uniforms for all of these characters. And he manages to forge a letter to present to um, Professor Moresby ordering the collection of the museum to be placed in storage. Well, uh, Professor Moresby here is way off model. I'm thinking I'm hoping it's prof the real Professor Moresby's brother uh, because Ed DeBrutka portrays him sort of as a Colonel Blimp kind of a character, bald, overstuffed, and I don't believe that's the uh, the model of the, the sort of a gaunt museum curator that we have in the Craig Flessel Shining Knight um, regular stories or when Flessel has actually appeared uh, to draw within leading comics. Uh, it's just definitely not uh, the same characterization or visualization of Professor Moresby, shall I put it. And uh, as, as we get into this as a uh, as Matt Greeter in disguise presents this letter, I'd have one thing to say to Professor Moresby. How stupid are you? Essentially, this is the order. It's an order from the president of the museum to move a lot of valuable items to a storehouse in precaution in case of an air raid. Okay, we are in World War II and there could be air raids. There's U-boats off of the Atlantic coast. Moresby is taken aback. He goes, strange, he didn't say anything to me about it. But this is his signature, so it must be all right, go ahead. So Moresby is just taking this letter that he doesn't know anything about, has never been contacted, from his board of directors telling him to surrender his collection to a rent-a-cop 
for removal from the museum. Folks, I work in a museum. I work very, very closely with my president. I see her every day. I see members of the board every day. I respect them. But I also know one thing. If anybody ever showed up with a note like this, and I had never been told, I would turn around and tell that uh, rent-a-cop to go pound sand. I wouldn't even phone the board of directors. The board of directors, Moresby is right to think it's strange, but he's also very stupid to go surrender this. Having said that, I doubt that that would probably stop Matt Greeter. At that point, Moresby would probably be dead, but he doesn't know that yet. He doesn't know he's surrendering to gangsters. So the, uh, the, the collection of armor, there's, uh, there's riches in here like pearl necklaces, there's artwork, has, is all being taken out to a truck. Uh, <laughs> good luck ever putting our museum onto one truck. Now, Justin happens along. Now, it's very interesting here. Um, Greeter has not been able to find the actual enchanted armor, which he has not found because, like I said, it's elsewhere in the museum in a compartment that Greeter will never find. When Justin comes along, it's uh, very in interesting. You hardly ever see Justin dressed like this. He's basically a blue suit and wearing a yellow fedora. And uh, it, it's a little rattling to ever see Justin outside of his armor. Well, Justin, of course, uh, does smell something funny going on. And Moresby turns around and goes, We must not question the orders of our superiors, Justin. Professor Moresby always questioned the orders of your superiors, especially when they're packing away your life's work. Please. So as Matt Greeter puts a Ming vase into the truck, Sir Justin ducks down, engages victory, and confronts the phony rent-a-cops. And we figure that uh, Justin isn't investigating. He's just going for blood at this point. Um, <laughs> I do have to say Justin is very Thor-like in this entire story. He swoops down and he's not asking questions. Uh, the sword, as I said, can cut through metal, and he cuts right through the entire front and the engine block of one of these trucks and uh, puts the rent-a-cops on the end of his javelin, or rather his jousting lance, as it were. Greeter realizes the jig is up, and he decides to head into the river. Greeter's not an idiot. I have to say one thing about him. Uh... He lays low in the water until uh, the, the rent-a-cops are rounded up by the police and Justin has vacated. And he makes his way uh, down the riverbank to a power station, which, by the way, happens to be run by his brother. And here we get a real um, insight into Greeter's family life in that he doesn't have one. Uh, the, his brother, the manager of the power station, wants nothing to do with Greeter, knows he's a criminal, but uh, Greeter just uses every uh, bit of his wiles and blackmail and allowing Matt to be harbored within the power station. 
Now, as Matt, you see the gears in Matt's uh, head turn, and he realizes suddenly that uh, the young guy that was uh, with Moresby, his assistant, is actually the Shining Knight. So he makes plans to smoke him out. Well, Greeter must have a, a stash of cash in his pocket because he hires some new goons. I don't think he's bailed anyone out. They return to the museum, and this time they are after Justin himself. Greeter begins interrogation and everything short of waterboarding and threats to his life to try to uh, make this young uh, museum worker admit that he's the Shining Knight. Dressed in his blue suit, uh, Justin definitely is at a disadvantage. And he is tied up to the power station, as we hear. When suddenly, Professor Moresby realizes, sees there's something bad, bad going on here. Realizes that Justin has been kidnapped, and he becomes the Shining Knight. That was right, Mr. Colonel Blimp. And I guess Merlin uh, must have added for expansion into this, uh, this chain mail, because <laughs> Moresby is a portly man. And he takes Shining Knight over to the power station. But uh, Sir Justin is not without resources when he doesn't have his weapons or his armor around. And he manages to do a bit of a counterbalance on this power wheel as it's turning. Now just let me explain that for a little bit. I don't know, everybody, how much tire work you've ever done. But you probably have noticed uh, if you're driving a car that you get a little shimmy here and there in your front tires or your rear tires. And that is usually that your wheel is out of balance. And if you ever look down um, where your tire meets the rim, there are usually little lead weights that have been pounded in there by your tire installer. Uh, they put it on a machine and they find out where the imbalances are and they put those slight lead counterweights on there to correct the imbalance. And usually when you feel a shimmy, that means that something in the structure of your tire has changed. The belts or something are starting to wear and the lead weight can no longer counteract the balance. So enough of Michelin tires cast. Uh, Justin uses this principle to uh, knock the, the wheel out of balance, knock this big power wheel out of balance. Uh, which basically causes the uh, the power wheel itself to, rent, to, to rip itself to pieces under the friction. By now, Mr. Moresby is there, uh, having flown on, on winged victory. I hope Moresby at some point in time, there must be an untold story here where... Uh, Justin has told him how to uh, <laughs> how to ride this animal. I'm certainly I would want to have some training before I mounted a strange horse with wings on it. But uh, you know, it speaks to little Moresby's bravery. He's uh, making up for his stupidity. So when he finds Justin, he manages to unhinge him from the the uh, the wrecked wheel. And we get everything back to where he was. Dear Justin dons himself, jumps on to victory, and he's back into Thor mood again. And Shining Knight at this point in time uh, finds Matt Greeter's uh, hideout within the power station where once again uh, he has turned on his brother, even shot him. So you're just a great family man, Matt. 
And at this point in time, Shining Knight rides right into the uh, the office, horse and all. And he, Sir Justin, Matt, has had enough of your shit. I really like this because I've never seen Justin fight like this before. Uh, granted, I haven't uh, read all of the Craig Flussell stories in Adventure Comics. Uh, but for whatever, Ed DeBrotka, although he doesn't have... Uh, uh, how do I say this? Flessel's professionalism and his his great line work when he uh, does Sir Justin still does a, a remarkable job of showing a fight. And we're in a power station. Have I mentioned that before? And Matt Greeter, who has escaped capital punishment through the electric chair, you guessed it, folks, manages to hit a low-hanging, high-voltage wire, and that is the end of Matt Greeter. And once again, another ironic service of justice to one of the Skull's foot soldiers. We are treated to the arrival of the police to clean up the mess, and where Sir Justin makes another one of his makes one of his Camelot-esque speeches, vowing to do justice on the. Skull and the rest of his knaves. Now this was a pretty action-packed story. I was pretty impressed. As I said, Justin uh, does not hold back in this story. And uh, it'd be interesting to see a modern-day take of Sir Justin. And I don't mean that Sid Easton uh, that Grant Morrison did in the modern Seven Soldiers around 2005. I just... That just didn't grab me. Uh, you can certainly understand within the pages of All-Star Squadron that Sir Justin is very, very effective on defending Britain from the Luftwaffe when they make their uh, blitzes on London and other environs during the Second World War. And Justin isn't done yet. But first, next week, we'll have to... Uh, See what Green Arrow and Speedy are up to in our final one of the individual chapters before our conclusion. And once again, we have commentary, or I should say feedback, on our Leading Comics number 4 coverage, a portion of that uh, concerned our same character as this chapter, Sir Justin the Shining Knight. And that, of course, comes from Dave McElvaney. Greetings, Ranger Gord. I'm continuing to enjoy your coverage of Leading Comics number 4 with the Seven Soldiers of Victory. This chapter featuring the Shining Knight was good fun. I see that in this chapter, Fingers did not have a change of heart about his life of crime, but that makes some sense, since he had no romantic interest in his target. I thought Don Cody, a.k.a. Don Coyote, was a fun eccentric character, and I like that he took on an active role against the crooks. I thought it was amusing that he mentioned he'd be happy if he were a real knight, considering his love of Don Quixote, who was sometimes called the Knight of the Woeful Countenance. As usual, your musical choices were spot on and your voice characterizations added to the fun. I look forward to this chap the next chapter of this megasode. Live long and prosper, Dave Mackle. Uh, Dave McIlvaney, I should say. He knows who he is. Well, that's uh, going to do it for part five. 
Don't forget to tune in next week for our penultimate chapter in this leading comics uh, battle against the skull and see what Green Arrow and Speedy are up to. We'll see you again, folks. Ta-da! <laughs>